Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Thank you, Stu, and thank you, everyone, and good morning. I want to give a shout-out to our Young Adults Ministry because a couple of Saturdays ago they put out put on this amazing event called Dancing with the Staff, and um, that's behind me. You'll see all the people who danced in that. There were... I had a fantastic partner, Emily, and uh, she's a really good dancer, let me tell you. And I, I want to show you this morning the, the winning trophy from that event. And, uh, but I also want to show you the trophy that my partner and I won. Um, because it was actually Stu who was up here just then and his dance partner, Kate Palmer, who won that one. So well done, Stu. They, they blitzed it. But... So many people said it was such a joyful event and such a joyful time. It was a COVID buster. It was because we laughed and we enjoyed each other's company and had so much fun. The young adults did such a great job and we were really blessed in this church to have wonderful kids' ministries. I can't wait for the kids' disco now, 80s disco, because you know what? In the 80s, um, musically, that's when my kids were born in 84, 86, 88, 91. So the 80s for me musically is just the wiggles really and stuff like that you know which I'm sure we're going to get at the kids party so I can't wait we'll be rocking that place out rocking grandparents but today we are in the middle of our series um, now during the year of course we, we're talking about I gave my life away and now I and uh, at the moment we're talking about delighting God now I delight in God and I just want to say that it comes from that that comes from Psalm 37 verse 4 which says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and we've had uh, some good messages on that from Pastor Sue and Matt Madigan who have sort of encouraged us about how we can delight in the Lord and unpacked what it means to delight in the Lord and what it means when when it says God will give you the desires of your heart and um, I mean you guys know me I preach enough up here that you would know that I love to preach God's Word and I love to um, encourage people to get into God's Word. Now, this week our staff had a staff devotions and we were encouraged to memorise scripture and it was such a good devotion. So I brought here the handouts that we got. If anyone wants to know about memorising God's Word and, and how to do it and some good scriptures to memorise and, and just about where memorising God's Word fits in the scheme of things, come and get one of these after the service because they're really good encouragement to get into it. And today I'm not going to unpack though or do what we might call an exegesis of that verse, delight yourself in the Lord. We're not going to look at the Hebrew meaning. We're not going to look at different versions of the Bible and what they mean. Because to me, when I was reflecting on what this meant, I thought, Delight in the Lord. It's such an intensely personal thing. It's a relational thing. It's about relationship. When we're delighting in the Lord, if you are delighting in someone, if you delight in your spouse or in your children or your grandchildren or something, it's intensely personal. It's about a relationship. It's not about a set of rules. You know, hey, you Christians, you must delight in the Lord and here's how you do it. Bang, 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 X, Y, Z. It's more something that as you live out your Christian life, you just 
as you look back, especially as you look back over your life, you just go, yeah, God has been so good to me and he's done so many things. And so I sort of want to share it, share today from a, on a personal level about why I delight in the Lord, what he's done in my life, and, and hopefully get you to start thinking about what he's done in your life and how good he's been to you and how, how wonderful the Lord is. Because let's face it, we delight in him because he delights in us. That's why we delight in him, because he loves us and he's, he's look, done so much for each one of us. And if you're here today, hopefully that's because you've got a relationship with him. And if not, I pray that you will have by the end of today. So Romans chapter 1 says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith, as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And there was a time when I was. There was a time before I knew Jesus when I was in high school and I became a Christian in year 11 of high school. There was a time when I was more like a, a scoffer and a rejecter of Christian things, actively so. But even then I had this, looking back now, I could see that I had this call on my life. There was, God was still doing things in my life, even BC, before I was a Christian. So Let's have a look at one of the things God did for me back then, which was purely his common grace because I wasn't walking with him then. Because when I was in high school, um, a lot of my mates were getting, we were sort of into 1950s cars. And so one guy had a 55 Ford Custom Line, but my other mate bought a 1972 Monaro. Monaro! Back then, we're talking about a five-litre V8, four on the floor, real deal. Did anyone have a Monaro? Anyone ever had a Monaro? Oh, wow, there's a few here that have owned them. You would know that was the car of the day. They were fast. They were tough. They won Bathurst. You know, they, they were amazing. But, you know, we were young guys. We were like just, we'd only just got our licences, 17 years old. And so one day my mate brought his Monaro around. He just got it. I jumped in the back seat, couple of guys in the front, no one wearing seatbelts. You didn't have to in those days. In fact, I seem to remember one time fitting nearly our whole um, Australian football team in the boot of our E.H. Holden station wagon, you know. But things were pretty slack. So we're driving along in this thing and you've got to try it out, you know. You've got a car like that, you try it out when you're a young bloke. So where I lived in uh, the St George area, there was a road that wound its way down to the Georges River. And there were a very famous set of S-bends where people went to try out their car, you know, and really give it, put it through its paces. So we thought, yeah, let's go down to the S-bends, jump in the car, off we go. Hit the first S-bend, left-hander, squealing tyres, you know, things were doing all right at that stage. Went into the right-hand S-bend, and as we did, the back of the car just drifted like this, and we sort of ended up moving forward but we were facing sideways and we're sort of facing the middle of the road and so oh, we don't want to run into something coming the other way re you know readjust over adjust so the car the tail swings back the other way and we go up the gutter and bang into a telegraph pole just smashed into this telegraph pole at speed 
the telegraph pole cracked and it began to sort of come like this towards the car. And thank God it stopped because if it would have come down on the roof, I don't know what would have happened to us. But we all managed to climb out of that thing and, and just with our hearts beating and, you know, just going, wow, you know, glad we're alive. It was a great car, wasn't it, you know? But even looking back on that, that was before Christ. God, you know, God had his hand around, around me and I'm grateful for it. And he had a plan for my life. And I want to talk to you about where that plan really came to fruition by telling Telling you the story of two concerts, a tale of two concerts. Now, back in when I was in year 10, I went to a concert in Sydney at the Horton Pavilion. Anyone been to the Horton Pavilion? Yeah, to see a concert. Well, I went to see Gary Glitter. Come on, Gary Glitter. He came down from the roof in this metal cage in his glitter outfit, you know, and he sang uh, such amazing songs as I Love You, Love Me, Love. I love you, love me, love. I don't know how you say that, but he sang that one. He sang, Do You Want to Touch Me?, which was really an unfortunate song for him because he's still in jail for things around the meaning of that song title, if you, if you get my gist. And it was an amazing concert. But see, something about that night, that, that afternoon I'd been playing AFL football for a, a Miranda local team. We used to wear the Essendon colours. And I'd, I'd smashed my knee. I ended up having an operation a month or so later um, because I sort of wrecked my cartilage and pulled the tendons away and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, that, that afternoon I'm thinking, oh, I've got this concert tonight. And I thought, no, I'm still going. You can't miss Gary Glitter. I'm still going. So I sort of hobbled home, hid it from my parents, walked a kilometre down to the local train station, went into the central with all my mates on the train, walked two kilometres to the Horton Pavilion, danced, you got to dance to Gary Glitter, walked two kilometres back to central, back to a kilometre back to my house at the other end and ended up in hospital about a month later, you know, because I could hardly walk. And that was really the, the fruit of that concert. But let me tell you, Gary Glitter didn't change my life. I did not become a follower of Gary Glitter. Praise God for that. I still don't mind some of his music, you know, but in terms of him, and, him as a person, I didn't look at him and go, man, I want to follow that guy. So there was another concert. And if you look uh, on the screen there, you'll see two of the people who were in that concert. It was a Youth for Christ rally at a church in, in the middle of Sydney, Scott's Church. Who can identify those two? The Fisons. Where, where are you, Steve and Sandy? There they are, over there. They were in a, in a group called the Young World Singers at that time. And a friend of mine took our whole group from school, our whole friendship group, to this um, Youth for Christ outreach rally, and the Young World Singers were on. And the thing is this, compared to Gary Glitter, their outfits, let's move on, were a little bit cheesy, to say the least. In fact... They looked a bit more like the Wiggles for Christians, you know, the Christian Wiggles. And they had such auspicious um, albums as Youthquake and Come Alive. But the thing is this, at that concert or at that outreach, I really didn't like the music. In fact, you know, you can't use the H word in church, but I intensely didn't like their music. But as Steve often reminds me, my life changed that night. 
And it's not because I became, I didn't want to follow Gary Glitter, so I followed Steve Fison. That's not why. It's because when the man stood up to preach and he started talking about Jesus Christ and how God had sent Jesus into the world to change the world, to bring the kingdom of God into the world, and how we, if we turned from our own life and turned towards living a life for him, how we would be saved and how we would be forgiven of our sins and we could have a relationship with God and purpose and meaning in our lives. And as he spoke, and I'd heard that story before, but as he spoke that night, God did something in my heart and in my life. It was to do with faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's, it's the power of God to salvation to all who have faith. God imparted faith to me that night and opened up my mind to see this was true. And as the man said, come forward if you want to know this new life and if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, as I pushed past my mates, they were all grabbing at me saying, where are you going? Westy, come back. Where are you off to? And it was like my old life was sort of trying to hold me back there. But I knew I had a date with destiny and I had a date with God that night. And that night changed my life because I became a disciple of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. And from that day on, I began to know and understand slowly, slowly over a number of years how God loved me and delighted in me and how, you know, even though as a young person I'd felt a lot of rejection and neglect in my life, that God would never reject me and never neglect me. He was always there for me. And life changed when I accepted Jesus and I began to delight in him as he delight, delighted in me. But he not only saved me in that spiritual sense with being forgiven and the kingdom of heaven coming into my life. After that, I experienced many times, not just that time when we hit the telegraph pole, but many times that he actually saved me physically. So for example, as a new Christian, um, when I was at university, I wanted to tell people about this change in my life. And I met a group of Christians who used to go every year at Easter up to Bathurst, to Mount Panorama, where there were these motorbike races. And this Christian group would go every year up there. They'd, they'd get a hall in the middle of Bathurst and put on um, music and food for the bikers. And at night, when the races weren't on, they would come into town and we'd have a band playing, a Christian band, but they could rock out, you know, get your motor running, head out on the highway. So the bikers used to love it. They, they were into that. They, they, they played like a pretty edgy sort of Christian stuff for these guys. And then we would, share, we would sit down with them and share the gospel and talk about Jesus and, you know, it was good. But, one, but that year that I was there, the police got a bit sick of the bikers coming into town and sort of causing a bit of trouble around town. So they set up a police roadblock halfway between the mountain and the town of Bathurst. And it sort of deterred a lot of the bikers because their bikes weren't quite standard, you know. Um, the police really didn't want, shouldn't see them. So a lot of them didn't come and we thought, we prayed and we said, what are we going to do? And so we thought, let's take the bus that we've got here 
up onto the mountain to the campsite where all the bikers are camped and let's get them on the bus and we'll bring them into town that way. And say, yeah, great idea. We jumped, you know, half a dozen of us jumped on the bus, went up to the camping ground at the top of Mount Panorama there. And we sort of started calling out, bus into town, you can leave your bike here, come into town on the bus. And we got, you know, half a dozen guys on the bus, bikers. There were lots of outlaw clubs and lots of just enthusiasts there. And we had a few of each on the bus. And then it was, it was getting quite dark by then. And a guy stopped the bus and he said to us, you need to turn this bus around because you can't keep, if you keep going up ahead, there's going to be trouble. But the problem is there were tents and things on either side of the road. You couldn't turn a bus around. So we had to keep going and we just went slowly. And we came to this place where there was a big circle of bikers and some of them had sort of flaming torches in their hand. There, was, there were fires around the outside. And as we got closer, they turned around and saw us coming and they started hitting the bus with sticks and chucking rocks at it and shaking the bus. And the next thing we know, a brick comes through the front windscreen, completely shattered the front windscreen of the bus. And they're yelling obscenities and abusing us. And, you know, the driver's hanging out of the window of the bus to try and see where we're going. And people are grabbing at him and so on. People on the bus got down on their knees and started, God help us, you know, how are we going to get out of this? And the reason for it was we had, we had broken into the bull ring. Now the bull ring was where the bikers would make this big circle and then one at a time they'd ride into the middle of the circle and do all sorts of, you know, wheel stands and tricks and things on their bikes. So, you know, we weren't going to do that in our bus and they knew that. We weren't really a part of that and we had sort of broken into it and they were angry, man. They were so angry. They really wanted a piece of us. Anyway, we were praying on there and, God, how do we get out of this? And one of the guys on the bus sort of lent his head out, out of the door. He said, open the door. And we're going, open the door. Are you kidding? But he, he hung out of the door and he said, hey, guys, there's bikers on this bus. You know, I don't know, he was from one of the outlaw clubs. You know, I'm from the, you know, whatever, the Granary Angels, you know. And uh, <laughs> anyway, they slowly opened up, you know, and they let us, they let us through. And uh, we, we were able, we didn't have a, a bus load, but we were just grateful to be alive, you know. But the adventure of faith has been an adventure. And for me, when I look back at things like that, I just say, God, how can I not delight in you? You have looked after me. You have saved me. You have blessed me. And I, I just love that. That wasn't the only time. You know, that was a time when we were on outreach. But there was another time when my wife and I, Audrey and I, were travelling. And we, we got a round-the-world air ticket. And we were backpacking around the world. Now, our second stop was Hawaii because I used to surf and I was a little bit fitter than I am now. And uh, we, we rented a house at, on the north shore of Oahu at a place called Sunset Beach. We rented a house there for a whole month. And during that month that we were there, there were only about five days when the surf got below 20 feet high like we're talking, you know, from here to the ceiling. 
And that was really beyond me. But one of the days where the surf reduced in size, I'd met a, a local guy and he said to me, come on, let's go surfing at this place called Mokalea, which is on the north shore of Hawaii, of Oahu, but it's sort of right over in the unpopulated area. It was miles away from anywhere. And when we got there, I looked, there was a lagoon and about a kilometre out at sea, there was a reef. And then beyond that reef was where we surfed. So we had to paddle out a long way. Now, I've got to tell you, when waves are more than a kilometre away, they look a lot smaller than they are, really. And so by the time we got out there, it was like I was looking at these waves going, you're kidding, what am I doing out here, you know? But I managed to catch one wave and it was phenomenal, just, you know, it's one of the best waves of my life. But as I turned, as I came off that wave and turned around and looked out at sea, I saw a set coming, a set, you know, bigger than the other waves. And the thing about Hawaii is this, even though that day the surf was relatively small, when surf builds in Hawaii, when a new swell hits, every set of waves can be three, four, five foot bigger than the set before it because it's a fresh swell. And this set was just massive. I'd never seen anything like it. And so I started paddling to get into the deeper channel. But the first wave of the set broke about from me to Marnie here in the front row from us, just exploded like this mountain of water. And I ditched my board, dived for the bottom to go under this wave. I felt the wave snap my leg rope like that as if it was just a piece of fluff. And I never saw that board again from that moment because apparently the rip on the North Shore that runs along the North Shore beaches, when the waves get big, it goes out to sea and then it, it deposits everyone's boards on one of the other islands on a beach. And the people who live near there just got all these surfboards, you know, from stupid Aussies who have lost their, lost their boards on the North Shore. And so I never saw it again. But the problem was, you know, I still had to dive under wave after wave in this set. And then I said, you know, this is going to kill me. So I went out into the rip, actually made it to the back into the reef. But when I got to the reef, the waves were sucking me back off the rocks and then throwing me onto the rocks, sucking me back, throwing me onto the rocks. And so I thought, I'm going to take my chances in the rip because this is, you know, I was getting all scraped up. Anyway, I got back in the rip. Um, the rip was way strong by then, couldn't swim against it, ended up right out at sea. And the chop, just the chop in between the waves in the rip was sort of up to waist high. And I was there, you know, getting covered with water. And I got to the point where I said, I actually said to God, and I remember it clearly, I said, God, if this is how you want me to go, take me. That's okay. I'm okay, Lord. I'll come to be with you. And I just sort of let go. And I was really pretty much heading under for the last time. And as I did, that mate who I'd been surfing with, he had gone into the beach, borrowed someone's nine foot Malibu and paddled out in the rip. And just as I said that to God, his hand, he got to me and his hand reached down and grabbed me and pulled me up onto his board, just gasping and sucking, you know, sucking for air. And anyway, there's, there's more to that story, but we ended up getting into the lagoon and I, when we made it back to the beach, I just lay on my back on the beach and tried to get my breath back for half an hour or so and, uh, and just come to terms with what had happened because I, like I was gone, you know, and I knew that I was gone. 
But in that moment, I knew as well, once again, that he had saved me for a purpose. And I, you know, when I look back upon that, how can I not delight in him? And I, you know, I think for each one of us, there are many times in our lives where I'm sure God has protected you. It might have been on the road or other situations. And when you look back, sometimes you know them and sometimes you don't. But I want to say God delights in you, just like I know when I look back, he delighted in me. He delights in you and he's got a purpose for your life. And there were many other times where that happened. So there was the time when Audrey and I were on a Greek island and, and an explosion occurred where we were staying and, you know, the, this, this whole place blew up. And uh, that's a long story. I won't tell the whole story. Or there was another time when Audrey and I were travelling in between the islands of Indonesia and the boat that we were in got swamped and um, it looked like we were going to drown and God saved us out of that situation as well. So there are many, many ways in which, you know, God not only in my life has saved me from the hopelessness of my non-Christian walk, but he has saved me physically and in, in so many other ways as well. And I want to say regarding hopelessness, that as a Christian, as I've walked through life, I've seen, been to many funerals and the difference between a Christian funeral and a non-Christian funeral is hope. And it makes all the difference in the world that people can lose someone who they love and there is still this delight in the Lord. There's still this knowledge that it's not the end. It's, you know, God's got this. He's in control of this. But lose, and losing someone is, is a very terrible thing. But that hope that, that sort of brings joy is an incredible thing. And we can delight in that as well. So let me read to you from Lamentations 3. Because I'm telling you today from my own heart why I delight in the Lord. You know, I'm not unpacking the scripture or giving some sort of heavy sermon. I'm just telling you why I personally delight in the Lord. And it's because of this, because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, God is good and he loves you to bits and his mercies are new every morning. And can I say I delight in the Lord because every day when I get up, I know he's forgiven me. I know I'm clean and I'm forgiven and I'm accepted despite the stupid things that I sometimes do and the, you know, the stuff that's in my life still that doesn't honour God and so on. But I love, I delight in the fact that every day he loves me and he's forgiven me. And also in that he calls me to forgive others every day and to forgive and to be cleansed in that way. This is my confession that I will delight in him. Habakkuk 3 says this, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. And you know what? I don't know where you're at in your life at the moment. You know, one that time I was drowning physically and my friend reached down and pulled me out of that water. Maybe some of you feel like you're drowning a bit today in 
different difficulties in life. It might be to do with COVID. It might be to do with um, what's going on in your relationships, maybe in marriage or with family. You feel like you're drowning. It might be with, to do with your mental health or emotional health. And you feel like you're just struggling to keep your head of, above water. Can I encourage you, though, in the midst of all of that, to hang on to that fact that God delights in you. He loves you. Rejoice in him. Put your hope in him. Look to the, look to the hope that we have as Christians. Joy in the God of your salvation. Delight in him because he delights in you. And you know, in the midst of it all, whether God brings you through the circumstance or helps you to face the circumstance, he does a change in you rather than changing the circumstance. Let's delight in him. Let's delight in him. He's the saviour of our soul. He's the saviour sometimes of, of our physical being. But, you know, let's not give up. Don't give up hope. Hang on there. Hang in there. And um, let's see what the Lord will do for you. Father God, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in this place. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us and, and let us feel your delight in us. Let us feel the delight of the Father who loves us and accepts us and wants to be a part of every little thing in our lives. Oh, come Holy Spirit and bring renewal and revival. Bring a fresh sense of delight in you, Lord God, that we might be refreshed and renewed and revived because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. And what is it that He said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.